Academy episode 17. We, we go over the car and we call them. These are all moments of truth. But here's what I would argue, and this is what I would share with service advisors or managers out there. The inbound phone call is the most important moment of truth because that's when they're making a decision about whether they're going to come in and do business with you. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, aftermarketers, to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on what happens when the phone rings. This is Carm Capriato, your host. Hey, the show notes for this Town Hall Academy is at remarkableresults.biz slash A017. There you'll find additional guest bio information and the episode talking points. You know, every Video Academy session resides on my website's learning page. And now you have the additional resource of having the Town Hall as a podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and more. And if you have my iOS or Android app, you'll find the Academy episodes there also. The Town Hall Academy originates live each Friday at 12 noon Eastern. The link to watch it is at remarkableresults.biz slash townhall. And you know, since you cannot always find the time to be on Facebook or in front of a video screen, you now get your Town Hall Academies repurposed as an audio podcast. Now, listen to what happens when the phone rings with Rena Rennebaum, automotive business coach with ACT, with over a decade of service advisor experience. Rena's experience in coaching and training service advisors has allowed shops to not only build their total Total sales exponentially. It has helped build a stronger net profit as well. Also, meet shop owner Doug Grills from AutoStream Car Care Center, a chain of five family-owned automotive service facilities in the greater Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. Doug is all about improving his service advisor team through training and personal development. And also with us is Barry Barrett, an authority on sales and selling. He is the director of training for RLO. Now, during Barry's career as a service manager and top salesperson, he honed his talents in communicating with people. His passion for providing tools to train owners and their teams to the next level is unlimited. Barry is also a Zieg Ziegler coach. Now, enjoy the Academy. What happens when the phone rings? Wow, we're here on a Town Hall Live Academy. Uh, what happens when the phone rings? Doug, I guess this isn't just a transaction you're you're picking up the phone to possibly create. It's a relationship. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, it was funny at that last town hall we did, we talked about the marketing effort and all of the energy and expense that you put into getting people to ring that phone. And there's a lot of effort that happens on that side. But really, one of the comments I remember making was the, the heavy lifting begins once the phone rings. And a lot of times we have a tendency to think of that. We've got to talk to people about not having it be transactional, not having it be about you know name, rank, and serial number. Like I'm just trying to get your information and get you on the schedule. It's really about starting that relationship. And it starts the second you are on the phone with that customer. So you, you know the attitude that you have, um, the, the energy level that you bring when you're answering the phone, all of that can be perceived by the customer on the other on the other end. And so it starts right there. And then you're really talking to the customer and asking a lot of great questions, being as helpful as possible. The asking of questions gets you the information that you need to be more effective in addressing whatever concerns they have. And then ultimately, the incoming phone call, the objective of the incoming phone call is always to secure the appointment. That's the end, you know, that's the end result that we're all trying to, to get. Thank you for that. You know, I forgot to tell the audience what we expect to cover on this academy. And, and, and let me just give everyone, so as they're probably doing lunch right now on the East Coast, you know, they got their little smartphone going, you know, their little subway uh, thing going, and they're, they're, sneaking, uh, they're sneaking their hour with the academy today. We hope to cover encounter points and moments of truth scripts role-playing gaining control by asking questions hmm you just mentioned that prejudging versus pre-qualifying and then a coach's perspective a service advisor's perspective and then an owner's perspective so I'm I'm excited to be able to cover all of that Barry uh, you know you mentioned stop what you're doing don't multitask you know and we all think we can multitask I, I've read enough about it 
and you just can't and you don't. So I think what you're trying to say is because you can't multitask, get focused, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, multitasking is a lie. A lot of people, if you read the book, The One Thing, he talks about it in great detail about multitasking. You can't, you can't do it. It's called switching. You don't multitask. You switch from one to the next. And we think we can multitask because we can, you know, the old idea is you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Well, 98% of what you do is unconscious. You don't think about breathing. You don't think about walking. But at one point, you were a baby learning how to walk. And if you watch a baby learn how to walk, they really concentrate on staying staying balanced first and then putting one step in front of the other. Now, the cool thing about balance is this. The only way to get to do something is to become unbalanced. If you, if you're if, the only way to walk is to for you to instantaneously balance and rebalance, balance and rebalance. But when you pick up the phone on an automotive repair shop, the only thing that you can do, you have to choose. I'm either going to pick up the phone or I'm not. Because the moment you choose to make a decision, which is Latin from that comes from incision to cut, you make a decision to pick up the phone, you have cut all other things away from your life. So you must pick up the phone, make a decision, and then you block everything out. Somebody says something to me and I'm on the phone, I can promise you the first thing I do drives my wife and kids crazy is I'm going to snap. And then I'm going to and I'm going to do this. Okay, I love that. So that that's a personal discipline you've created so that you focus. This idea of of you can only you can focus on multiple things or having you know people use the word priorities right priorities is a new thing to us it's a very modern thing to think about you can only have one priority there's no such thing as priorities you have one so whatever you make a decision to make a priority is all you have the most people try, try to be generalists we teach, we treat sales as a pseudo profession and you, and, and we act like it's a pseudo profession. There's no degree for it, no certification, none of that stuff. So all of a sudden we say, oh, it's the gift of gab. No, it's the, it's the gift to focus and listen and to solve people's problems. You know, I'm in the pain management business. Okay. So it's my I, it's my job to listen to you, hear what your pains are, and then manage that pain. So when the phone rings and you pick it up, they have a pain, they have a problem, and we're in the pain management business. And we think that we have the answer. I'm coaching somebody a while ago, and they said, "Well, I work for a dealership, so the reason I could answer the phone so effectively there is because I already knew what the what the what the solution was." And we role played it, and he said he, he used ignition, and I said, "Well, did you know 100 percent that?" The ignition needs to be replaced. Well, no. Then you don't know. Mm-hmm. If it isn't a hundred percent, I'm a really black and white guy. I get in trouble for it. If it isn't a hundred percent, then you can't give advice. So, Rena, going along with what Barry's saying, uh, there's got to be some tricks to to get yourself in the moment. Snap your fingers. I mean, is it important to smile and take a deep breath? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of tricks that you can use. Um, one thing that I've seen is putting a mirror on the phone. So when you go to answer the phone, you take a look at yourself and you want to be the best version of you. And so if you have a scowl on your face or if you're not absolutely in the best version of you, take a look or have a, a sticky note on your phone that reminds you and whatever that may be, or put a picture of your family next to your phone. What is it that inspires you to answer that phone and be the best version of you? So scripts, Doug, is that going to be helpful uh, for an individual who gets into that right frame of mind? I would hate to think that someone would be reading a script, but you know, I guess it's almost like, I, I guess if you practice and role play, it's, it's natural. Help, help us understand that. I think scripts are important. And I, and I understand that comment that people sometimes will say, well, I want to be natural. I just want to do this the way that I'm accustomed to doing it. My comeback to that is I'm not asking you to, to, to talk in a certain way and only say these words. I'm asking you to practice what it is you're going to do when you pick up that phone. And so when it comes to the concept of scripts and practice, what I'm saying is all the greatest performers in 
any industry practice what they do and they practice it relentlessly and they want to make, you know, Barry alluded to it earlier. They want to make it muscle memory. They want to make it something that they don't really think about. So the script isn't really intended to, you know, to shove you into a box. It's to make it so that these sort of subtle but very important things that need to be touched upon in the, in the call happen without you really thinking about it a lot. And, you know, one real, you know, one quick story. I mean, when you think about great performers, you know, great athletes, you know, we always hear about, you know, guys like Michael Jordan or, or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. These guys are the first guys in the gym and they're the last guys to leave. And everyone would concede that they're some of the most talented people that you would ever run into in their particular profession. But the reality to me is, and this is what I say to, to our folks is, hey, man, if LeBron James feels like he has to practice 12 hours a day and everybody thinks he's the greatest player on the planet, then I think it's okay for us to practice too. Oh, what you're saying is, my God, he's a natural athlete. But frankly, he's doing what you're saying. He's out on the court. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. A, a, a great book that I'm just starting is called Talent is Overrated. And the idea is that very, that very concept that, you know, we, we have this idea that people are naturally gifted when the reality is, is they may have very amazing natural gifts, but what they, what really separates high performance is their willingness to do the work, to practice and to make what they do very simple and very easy so that when they're in the, you know, sort of in the heat of the moment, they're not thinking consciously about these things that they do that make them so amazing. Doug just said like this thousand mouthfuls of great, just, it was, it was great wisdom. The first thing about Michael Jordan is he was an amazing, talented, gifted athlete, but he didn't do so hot in baseball as I remember. Right. Sure. Michael, you know, you know, Michael took the bus in baseball. (laughs) (laughs) So he's taking the bus in baseball and the gifts are great, but you know, there's, there's three circles that I try to help people with. And there's your core values. That's one circle. The other circle is your gifts that you're born with. And then your past experiences. And when you take these three circles and, and you, wherever they meet, you, where you find your purpose and your passion and what you're supposed to be doing. So what we need to do is, is take our gifts that we were born with and our values and then our, um, past experiences, meld them together. So when you're talking about scripts, I usually will ask people, raise your hand if you want to learn a new script today. Of course, no hands go up. But I said, what if I could teach you a professional presentation today? Who, who wants one of those? Every hand goes up. I'm like, the trick is they're the same. So what we have to do is find our present. You have a script in your head. It's just not very good. So we need to hone it. And what you're really doing, Doug, is is finding valuable verbiage, right? Instead of look, which is the nasty four-letter word, bring it in, we'll take a look at it. Mm-hmm. It's bringing it, let's inspect it, evaluate it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll inform you on a better way to move forward. How does that sound? Well, those sound like power words that, you know, I guess if the script was there, that level of training, that conditioning get you to be so much better on the phone and rena if uh, if that phone rings i snap my fingers i guess it's it's really important that i should be excited about the opportunity coming up yeah absolutely get excited i'd like to talk about really quick going back to the word script i had clients that would refuse because they would say i don't want to sound like a robot i want to be me and so like Barry, I changed name and I said, this is a guide. This is a guide to a call. And these are the things that we want you to accomplish in the first, hopefully 30 seconds of a call. And I got so much better results. People were had an open mind to having a guide instead of something that told them exactly word for word what to do. And when I'm teaching a call guide, I will tell people, I want you to be, take this and make it your own, make it the best version of you. And I think that that also helps people get excited that I get to be the best version of me. I'm not being told that I have to be somebody else or that I need to sound more like this person, or these are the exact words that I have to use. I get to be me, but I'm going to do it in this arrangement. 
you know, we're not here to teach anyone how to really be good at this. I think what we're trying to do is to engage our audience to respect the fact that there is some extreme talent necessary or conditioning or training to really be good and use this thing as a revenue opportunity and a relationship builder. But every once in a while, that phone rings. We may see the caller ID, Rena, and we may have bad news to share with the customer. Sweaty palms. Oh, my God. How, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? So I have this mindset called your role, R-O-L-E. And your role is who you are when you're serving other people. And so you need to set aside, like we've been talking about, like the phone rings, you set aside whatever you're doing and you make this your main focus. And you do, you just, you just have to deliver it. And personally, I don't wait for the phone to ring. If I have to deliver bad news, I actually make the phone ring. I make the phone call. (laughs) Great piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. Be proactive on that. Yeah, you know, and, and I even think, to be honest with you, and I, you know, and I'm borrowing a little bit from Barry's uh, podcast this morning, but something that I believe personally as well, which is that when you say I'm going to call you up and give you bad news, that's sort of something that exists between the space in your head. In other words, mm-hmm. just set, just saying that probably sets you up for a potentially less than optimal interaction with the customer. So, you know, when you're calling the customer, I'm here to tell you what we've found on the car and I'm telling you what we need to do to make it better. So we're trying to do everything we can to make it, obviously it's, it, it can be upsetting if someone has to make a significant investment in their car, but that's what it is. It's an investment in their vehicle, the second highest expense probably in that they have behind their home if they own a home or, and so we have good news and mm-hmm. here's what we're gonna be able to do to get you on the road reliably, safely, having you feel confident about being out in your car and traveling around and doing what it is you need to do. Thanks, Doug. Uh, Barry, pre-judging and pre-qualifying people. Uh, There's probably a no-no, right? Well, pre-judging is a no-no. Pre-qualifying <laughs> is an absolute must. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between uh, pre-qualifying and pre-judging. And one's positive and one's negative. And I think Doug was was uh, commenting on the podcast this morning about become a millionaire by fixing your car, right? Mm-hmm. There's a 95% probability that fixing your car is going to be much, much less expensive than replacing it. It's probably like 98, but I'll, I'll put 95 because, you know, I want to be a little bit negative, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty positive that that's the case. So I, I was talking to a young lady this morning and she said she was a slow reader. And I'm like, well, I'm a detailed focused reader, which makes me read slower. So one's negative and one's positive, right? So what we have to do is the positivity about it. So prejudging is picking up the phone, said this guy drives an 03 forerunner and he's never going to fix anything on his car. Prequalifying is, let me ask you a question. You know, you've had this car for, you know, it's 2003 and it's some years later, you've got 213,000 miles on it. You know, do you see the value in saving money or overpaying for something? that you don't need to pay for. Now that's pre-qualifying. That's a loaded question. I get it, but it, it, it frames it up in this way where if you don't fix it, you're going to overpay for another uh, something else. We live in the, we have the greatest business in the world, but you're telling me that if people don't use my service to fix their car, they have to go overpay for something drastically. that's going to drop in value the, the minute it, it moves from this set of pavement to this, wow, that's pretty easy. So, Doug, gaining control by asking questions, does that make the customer feel awkward by drilling down those questions? Or is that, is that something that you guys do? No, it's something that we do. And, I, and to me, it's, it's um, very much a part of this relationship building process because you know, when you think about it, if you interact with people out in a social event or something, if you want to know more about them and who they are and what makes them tick, you're going to ask them questions about what they do for a living or about their family. It's very, it's very similar in that regard. And questions sometimes when you're talking to advisors or people that are on the phones, sometimes there's a feeling that, hey, when I'm asking a question, I'm kind of handing the conversation off to the customer and now they're in control of where it goes. Um, but I would argue it's just the opposite. 
what you're doing is you're gaining valuable information that from the customer about their situation or what they use the vehicle for or what their particular needs might be. And you're going to, you're going to be able to tailor what we're offering and how we can help. That's, that's better. It's a better experience for the customer in the end, because now I understand what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. I know you better as an individual, and that allows me to serve you more effectively. Barry, wouldn't you agree if someone just went out and read Dale Carnegie and Zig, some, you know, just two, two books, they'd, they'd have that thing nailed. It would be nailed. There's no new information under the sun, right? Like it's all the same. And well, I just wrote down the Socratic method versus the telling tension. And, and Doug just described the Socratic method, which is Socrates. He, made, he didn't invent it. He made it famous. And so if we would just get to know people. People don't, you know, Zig, my, my hero said, there, there's, a, there's an old saying that says, people don't care how much you know until you know how much they, you care. And then he added two words to the end of it about them. So people don't know how, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And when you ask them questions about them, they know that you care about them. And then the, the worst questions I hear on an incoming call is what's the year make and model of your vehicle? Well, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't even matter because is the, does a water pump do anything different on a Mercedes as it does on a Toyota? No. So why do we ask that question? It's a non-question. Okay. So you have to you have to get into the the the, the value system of the customer. So you've got these two de- dealerships across the street from each other. One's a Toyota, and then one's a Mercedes. I'm a Toyota guy. I walk in, I go to the Toyota dealership. I'm talking to them about buying a vehicle, which I buy a private party, but that's beside the point. I go into the Toyota dealership. I sit there and I talk to them and there's this lull in conversation. So I, I go across the street to the Mercedes dealership because I, I'm kind of interested in what they have. So I sit down and talk to the sales guy and he sits, he sits me in this $150,000 Mercedes. And I think, man, this is nice, but who in the world pays $150,000 for a car? I'm going back to the Toyota dealership. So the same guy, same situation, but this guy is a Mercedes guy. He walks across the street, the Toyota dealership, sits in the Toyota and says, yeah, I love the price tag, but who in the world would buy this? (laughs) (laughs) It's the customer's worldview. Like, mm-hmm. what is their worldview? And, and the only way you're going to get that is to ask questions. Rena, any phone call that comes into the place could be your biggest sale of the day. Is that a real good muscle memory thought to have in, in every time you pick up the phone? Oh, yeah. You want, I mean, you, yeah, you don't want to go into every call thinking that this person is just a price shopper. You want to go into thinking that every single person is an opportunity every single person we want to secure the appointment. And so we need to treat every single person like they are going to be our big sale of the day. And so that includes everything that we've been talking about, asking them questions, building a relationship with them and spending the time that they deserve to get to know us and us to get to know them. Yesterday to prepare um, for the podcast, I was talking to friends and family about it. And um, most of them, actually everybody that I spoke to yesterday is not in the automotive industry. So I got a fourth perspective because my thoughts were when I was preparing for this. So am I looking at this from my perspective, a coach's perspective? Am I looking at this from my client, the service advisor? Am I looking at this from an owner? But I never thought about the customer's perspective. The customer's perspective yesterday was the meaning of why we're doing all of this. What basically I heard yesterday is I said, what happens when the phone rings? What happens when you pick up the phone and dial a shop? Where does your mind go? And the first person said, I sure hope that they answer because they don't always answer the phone. The next person said, I'm really nervous because I'm a woman and I am afraid that they are going to take advantage of me because I don't have anybody that I can call and ask if this is true. And the other person said, um, I hope that I'm going to be using the right terminology and that they don't look at me. So she was worried that she was going to be prejudged because she may not be using the right terminology. And so all of those things, 
it made me almost inspired to put together a panel of people like this to show the service advisors. These are the people at the on, on the other end of the phone, and this is what they're feeling. So you may be nervous, but they're just as nervous as us, maybe even more. You know what? I think we have a new academy possibly coming up, and I'm serious. We need to get a panel of consumers you know, that we you would know. There's someone would be friendly. It wouldn't be afraid to come on the show, and we need to ask them some interesting questions about about that perspective. And you just made me start to think about it. I called a a good friend who is a, a podcast alumni and a service professional yesterday, and it answered and said that this my call may be recorded. And and I'm I'm at a point today where yes I know the value I'd love to talk about the value of using the recorded calls as coaching opportunities, but what are the consumers saying about my God I I call Verizon I get that and I call you know the shop down the road and I get that is I know the value of it but is that a little too much or are people just they understand they get it and they move? Oh I think people understand. Um, I mean, for me, it is my biggest tool when I'm working with a service advisor. There's nothing more impactful or powerful for me to play the call and say, this is what you sounded like. Um, On Monday, I played a call for somebody who's one of my really great service advisors. He has 25 years of experience. He's amazing. And I played the call for him and I said, Joe, what did you hear in this call? And he goes, I was really distracted. He was doing what Barry says doesn't exist. He was trying to multitask and it wasn't working. Even with 25 years of experience, it wasn't working. He wasn't able to do it. And he wasn't able to put his heart and soul into the call. He didn't make a connection with the customer and she hung up. Here's the thing. And that's exactly right. And you have to refocus and and everybody makes mistakes. You put me on the front counter. I'm going to try to multitask at one point. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have that script playing in the back of my mind, that it doesn't exist, I'll get caught up into it every time. It's a script. We all have one. But, you know, I'm talking to a guy today on the phone and, you know, I'm asking him, well, how many books have you read on, on the subject? What what happens is we show up, shop owner pays us to, tr- to, to, to train somebody. They think that because I'm getting paid to teach them that all the information lies in here and that that's all they ever need. And I'm thinking, if I thought that was true, we'd be in real big, we'd be in huge trouble. You know, I told him, I said, I read for about an hour and a half a day. And it didn't start out that way. It's ten, It started out 10, 10 pages. And you read a book in, about selling or answering the phone, whatever it is. And then it starts to go. He says, well, I don't comprehend. And I'm like, well, it's because you don't read. I was a remedial reader. You know, I was talking to my son yesterday and, I, and I'm pretty open. I had to retake the sixth grade. You don't just show up and you're gifted and you just, here you are. You read, you write, you listen. You, you know, I get up and I listen to sales podcasts every morning. Does that make me boring? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it will make me successful. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Oh, The only wow. reason I listened to the podcast I was on is because you and Tom were on it. Oh, I know that's the only reason you listen. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, let me, I have to give you a lesson on how much you'll learn if you listen. No, I know what a loyal fan I have. But, you know, you bring, you all bring up such a great point, and I'm so glad we went into this recording piece. Doug, are, are you recording calls? Uh, yeah, we do. We have now, we have a, a situation where, depending upon how the call reaches us, it gets, it gets recorded. So, you know, as we talk. So somebody's calling in and it says the call is recorded for quality assurance purposes, which, as we're all discussing, is something that's very common today, right? We all make phone calls to different companies and different providers and we hear that and we don't really think that much about it anymore, where there was probably a time where that might have intimidated us in some way. So, yes, we have call recordings and I I agree with the comments that that Rana made that um, they're incredibly valuable because people they think of themselves in a certain way and how they handle the situation in a certain way. And then when they're actually faced with listening to what they said and did, um, it gives us the opportunity to really, as we talked about before, hone our skills. And, it, and the thing that I love is, is with technology today, um, I would tell you that we have in our organization, there's probably a handful of emails that go out every day with call recordings and notes on 
here's what we did and here are the positives. Here are the areas where we could make some improvements and what are the key takeaways. I love what you're saying. Can you walk me through a coaching moment or opportunity? And is it you that's doing it? Is it is it a coach you've hired to do it? Who's doing it? Uh, we do it internally. It's not me personally. It's my director of operations. Um, we, you know, so we've worked over the years with different um, coaches and different consultants, and we've sort of figured out, hey, how do we want this coaching to occur? So take me to an aha moment uh, that that you know was someone discovered how they needed to get better. That they they just were having a bad day, and you you saw continual improvement because of this. There's elements in the call that we want we want to look for, you know, so how is the greeting and are we getting the customer's name early in the call? Are we asking them, you know, have they have they been to us before? And if they're new to us, then we want to acknowledge, you know, thanks for finding us. There's a certain sort of flow to the call. We're looking for a certain number of key elements. And then um, and then as I as I talked about at the outset, the goal of that phone call, the inbound phone call is to secure that appointment. And um, a lot of times customers are calling and they're looking for information. I can't tell you, I mean, when you look for the aha moment, I guess I would say is early in the training for newer people, the, the moment, it's not an aha moment, but it's a phenomenon that you see where somebody will invest three or four minutes or five or more on the phone with a new customer. And then they get to the end of the call and it'll be like, okay, well, I'm glad you called. Uh, you know, great. We'd love to see you. And then they hang up the phone and you're listening to that phone call and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We missed the most important part, which is getting the appointment set and confirmed and having the customer understand, do you know where we're located? And things like that, where we're cementing that commitment to come in and do business with us. And and then I'll, I'll have a call like that. And I think, hey man, you just spent three or four or five minutes of your day and that's important and you're a busy person. And then when we got to the end of it and we just kind of said, okay, hopefully it'll come by. Good luck. Thanks. Doug. And, you know, we need to fix that. We need to make sure that everybody understands that we're there to help and we're there to provide information and we want to we want to bring that car in so that we can get a firsthand look. Doug, is it that people, don't you find that people think they're asking for an appointment? And we, I hear people all the time, they're like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I, I'm, I, I just I give information and customer service. Mm-hmm. And then they're given information, what you just said. They're given information, good customer service. They're answering the questions, all the good stuff. But then they have never asked for the appointment because they don't see themselves as salespeople. Right. And that, you know what, that, I think that's a great point uh, because like you mentioned in your podcast earlier today, I mean, being a salesperson, there's there some people that will look at that and think, oh, that's like a negative thing. There's some mm-hmm. negative connotation to being in sales. And really, like what you guys had talked about in your podcast, I mean, that's just the opposite. It's the opportunity for me to tell you about how I can help you make your life better, solve a problem you're having. Um, that's what I'm here to do. Right. And so um, you're absolutely right. You've, if, if somebody has a sort of a negative connotation or feeling about being in sales, um, that's something you got to overcome immediately because again, that goes back to, I talked about, you know, the space between your ears. That's, that's something that's in your head that you've got to overcome immediately. And then everybody in the organization feeds off everybody else. So they have to understand we're a sales organization. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're here to serve people and we want to provide an exceptional experience and we want them to love us and tell their friends and family about us and go online and write great reviews. Um, but we, we do sell. I mean, that's part of what we do. And, and it's an important part of what we do, and it's a positive and beneficial part of what we do. There's been a lot of talk in, in this episode, in this academy, about the episode today. Barry, your episode today. And I just want to remind people, if they're saying, well, which one was it? It was the one with Barry and Tom Ziegler, episode 220. So, uh, Doug, thank you for bringing it up. And I'm glad it, it was uh, something that uh, you really could relate to and enjoy. Trust me, everyone. Tom Ziegler, son of Zig Ziegler, Barry Barrett, a legacy Ziegler coach. Uh, it was off the charts. I've been hearing from a lot of podcast um, fans, you know, and listeners, that they're setting up lunch and learns for their team. And it, you know, it could be the coffee break in the afternoon, or it could be lunch at any time throughout the world when you're going to sit, maybe bring in some lunch, and then turn on an academy and watch it as a team. Uh, so I'm uh, 
great to hear about that. I just like to encourage everyone to think about that. They may just never think to go out and watch these. This will be, of course, repurposed by Monday or Tuesday on the web. We'll promote the heck out of it, and it'll be another one of those tools sitting in the Academy on the learning page on my website. Going back to the recording stuff, when, when technology was able to do this, Barry, uh, Rena, Doug, was that really a breakthrough that really took that front counters, you know, ability to sell and the right skills to to a level that never existed before? Was that technology necessary? Well, and I'll speak really quick on this. And and we do a lot of role playing. I think people use role playing in the wrong way. I think people do role playing the wrong way because if you role play, and and I actually have a gift to do impromptu. And I could be one of those guys on stage and, and be able to react to other things. My mind just works that way. And if when we role play, we expect people to be able to do that kind of give and take. Some people just don't have that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm quick on my feet. I believe that's a gift and I've grown that gift. We do this role play like and, and we only we have the curse of knowledge. We only know what we know. And so the curse of knowledge says that it, there's a couple of things that it says, but the main one of the main things that it says is basically this. We only role play the way service advisors role play. And we don't really get the real customer experience. And when I play, this is how I do it. When I play a real call, when the customer says something, I'll pause it mm-hmm. and I'll say, what should you say right here? What in our script, in our presentation, would should you say? And they'll say it. And then I'll say, well, I would say this, or I would ask this, actually, because I say nothing. But, Barry, is there a right or wrong answer there or not? Oh, absolutely. If you tell something to the customer, if a customer asks you a question and you tell them something, you have a, you have a 95% probability of that being wrong. If you ask them a quality question based on the question that they said or the statement that they gave, you asked a question, you're probably on the right track. So somebody says, hey, I have a problem. I have a noise. My brakes are grinding. Okay. My question would be, well, let me ask you, you know, is it the brakes that's grinding or would you mind sharing with me why you believe it's the brakes? And they'll say, well, every time I hit the brake, then the noise comes, right? And then I say, well, would you be surprised to know that that could be 10 to 15 different things causing that same symptom? Not, well, yeah, it's probably, you know, experience shows probably the brake. So you probably need, you know, it could be a caliper. It could be, it could be, it could be. If you find yourself saying it could be, you're probably not on the right track either. So would you be surprised is a great question. 10 to 15 different reasons. And they say, well, I just want a price. And I say, well, let me ask you, if I gave you a cheap price and you came in and it was double, how would you feel? It's a feel question, right? It's a good question. Well, what's the year making model of your vehicle? Horrible question. doesn't matter. Well, if you, and they say, well, I wouldn't like it at all. And I say, well, if I gave you a high price, be honest, Carm, would you even come in? And I make it a joke. And they're like, no. So how many have you gotten? They'll say three. Well, based on what you know right now, which one are you going to choose? They'll say probably the middle, right? That's what most people say. Why? Because you probably get the quality and the price. And I'm like, well, what if I gave you the middle price and it was the cheapest quality? And they say, well, right. I wouldn't like that. Well, how are you going to know? And it gets them thinking. Like that's role play, but that's a real world scenario. What you're doing is you're just conditioning the service advisor so that no matter what position or condition that this call takes him or he's in, lots of confidence to say the right things at the right time without exposing price, I guess, which which is so key. You want them to come in and without really trying to say that you figured out their symptom. I mean, what's wrong, right? Rena, what's the objective of when that phone rings and we're on? I mean, is there an expected close rate and is the close rate about getting them in, inside our shop give me a give me your feel on on the objective of the call i think an average lead to conversion rate is between like 30 and 40 percent and so we're not I, I, at least that's the average that i have been exposed to do you guys know and what do you guys think doug and barry you guys 30 um, or 40 I does think that, that sound well when you're looking at lead conversion if you're talking about 
price shoppers, you're on mm-hmm. something. But lead yeah. conversion, like they call up the phone, they say, can I get an appointment? No, no. Do you know what I mean? From yeah, right. A price like shopper, price yes. shoppers. Yes, that's okay. that's reasonable. Yeah, and I, most, I agree that, with that too. Yeah, I do you? I think if, yeah, yeah, I think if you have a, a a price shopper, it might be a third. But I, you know, as you guys are suggesting, right. to, you know, customers today. Here, here's one of the other factors. I mean, customers today are very informed, right? They're out there, they're on the web, they're doing research. They know a lot about you before they even pick up the phone. So mm-hmm. that's a huge change from where we would have been. You know, when I certainly when I started years ago. And so they have a feel for who you are and what you do. And hopefully they see your online reputation is solid. And so I think, I think that's a factor that will lead to a higher conversion rate when you actually do get them on the phone and, and face-to-face. Right. And then hopefully, or maybe they've been referred by a friend or a family member. And so they're predisposed to be converted because they've got that connection with you mm-hmm. already when the, when the phone rings. So the objective, I guess, ultimately is for us to uncover. For some people, it is price. Um, For some people, it's quality. For some people, it's that they really like us, um, that they enjoyed the conversation with us and they felt like we built a good relationship with them. Some people, it's time. I need to get my car fixed now. I'm leaving to go out of town. And so we have to uncover what the objection or objective is. Mm -hmm. So it's the act of asking questions um, as what uncovers, you know, for us, the service advisor or the whoever is answering the phone, um, what is going to convince that customer to come in. So we just have to, we have to ask a lot of questions. We have to figure out who they are. And I think that when you ask it, like this one question to uncover a price shopper, Mm -hmm. people say price. And I say, well, besides price, what other what other criteria are you going to use to make the decision? And what are they going to say in yeah. any industry? It's a sales question. And they're going to say, well, you know, time or quality and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I have a script for that. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes customers don't even know that though, right? They like sometimes right. customers don't even know that they're looking for a better quality because they don't even understand that I am using a part from, you know, that's a manufacturer, you know, quality or better, or somebody is, you know, buying a generic part off of mm-hmm. eBay, the, you you they don't know, and so it's our job to to try to uncover that so that we can explain to them who we are and what we offer mm-hmm. and what makes us better and different. Well, and to, and that's exactly right, Rena. But and and I really want to caution people right there when Rena says explain to them why we're different. You're really you're really asking questions to lead them why we're different, right? Mm-hmm. You're not saying we have a three year warranty. We have this. We have this. We have this. I'd say I say this. You know, we we do have a three-year warranty. Have you ever heard anybody who even has that type of warranty? And then they say, well, no. I say, you know, the dealer has one year, one year, right? And they're like, yeah. And so you're leading them with leading questions, which lawyers can't do, but we can. There's nobody saying objection, leading question. Nobody, (laughs) you know, Doug's not going to overrule me. (laughs) Right. And I and I think the other thing too, so we talk about questions. I mean, that's the central theme, I think, for all of us, right? We talk about mm-hmm. questions and relationship building. And Rena talk, talked about it earlier that when customers call us, many times they're feel they're feeling intimidated by the process yeah. and what and, or what this whole thing may end up um, resulting in. And and you know, is this, so they're they're looking for somebody to understand their needs and understand them and their vehicle and what they're trying to accomplish and make them feel comfortable and and confident that they've made a, a good choice. And the only way that we do that is as we're all describing this question process where we're talking to them and getting the answers and finding out what's important. And you know, as you talk about price, price is out there. But I think most people, you know, when you talk about convenience and service and quality, those are themes that resonate with with the vast majority of people, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's where we try to connect. Price is the easiest objection to overcome. I want it to come down to price. The hardest objection to overcome is the one you create. So when you don't have a game plan, if you just learn how to be sound professional, if you're the most professional person they've called, guess what? They're coming in if they mm-hmm. value that. But I do this in, in classes, live classes. I, I secret shop people. I just take random people. I Google auto repair in my in, in, in my local area and I put it on the speaker and I, I price shop. And I'm the easiest price shopper you know. Like I make it easy. 
I know you're a make model. I do this. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to trip you up. I'm not trying to say, yeah, but what about this? If you'll ask me to come in, I'm probably in, but you know how rare that is in our industry for somebody to ask you. They don't even know who I am. They don't know my phone number. They don't, they don't ever ask me to come in. And then my students, I'm like, see, you guys thought you were bad. <laughs> you, you, you are, you're the creme de la creme. Imagine if you get really professional, what happens? The price shopping, the, the, the incoming call, most people are trying to qualify their customers, Carm. I'm trying to disqualify them. I'm trying to get them not to come in. It's called the takeaway close. I'm like, why should I even work on your car? You, you called me. I'm trying to qualify you as a customer, but I'm also trying to disqualify you because if I asked you whatever the decision you're making it on besides price and you say, well, price alone, I said, well, it's probably still most important to you. It's quality important as well. And you say, well, I can't afford it. You just told me you can't afford it. I'm out. But I see service advisors still begging them to come in. Uh-uh. They just told you they don't have any money. That's not a customer. That's a visitor that's wasting your time. And, you know, you ever notice that people who have nothing to do want to do it with you? That, that to me is, mm -hmm. I mean, that to me is a um, sort of a, that's a technique of last resort. But we do, I mean, we, we have that happen occasionally as, as well. And when you get to the end of a phone call sometimes, um, you might say to a customer, you might explain, hey, the customers that we have in our, in our shop today, you know, they're looking for quality and value and convenience. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound to me like those things are what you're after necessarily. And it is sort of that negative or reverse type of clothes, like type of psychology. Like, and then you know what? If, we're, if that doesn't work, then we're probably not right for each other. And, and that's okay. I mean, we obviously, I agree with Rena's comments. Like we want to treat everybody like they're going to be our best prospect, right. our best customer of the day. Yep. Um, but it can happen at the very end after you've asked the questions and gotten the information and built the relationship that, Hey, if, if it really, really comes down to it, maybe we're not right for each other, but that's, that's your, that's sort of your close of last resort. That right. I use the trust close at the end. You know, we built our business on trust. Does that make sense? And I said, they say yes. And I say, so we made a decision a long time ago to explain price once than to have to apologize for quality for the rest of the time we're open. And, and I really hope you appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you can understand why it's not a good idea for me to give you a price, but I hope you look at your, you're fine what you're looking for. Can you give us a final swing thought, if you will, and hopefully everyone understands what that is. You know, when you're golfing, <laughs> you always want to go over that very important swing thought so the ball goes straight and long. What would be a great swing thought to give up to the service writers, service advisors, service managers that are listening when that phone rings? One thing that we mentioned at the beginning that we haven't talked about is uh, this concept of moments of truth. And moments of truth is a is an idea that I you know, I read uh, Herb Kelleher who was a founder of Southwest, and what he's basically saying is is that throughout the transaction, throughout the process, when the customer interacts with the company, these are the moments of truth that will determine how they perceive you and how they feel about what what it is that you do. So in the airline industry, obviously, when they come to you know, to drop off their bags or get their tickets. That's one moment of truth. And then they get to the gate and that, and they have an experience there as they board the plane. And that's a moment of truth. Um, and so in our industry, what I would say is that we have these, you know, the same idea applies that the inbound phone call is a moment of truth, right? It's a, it's a point in time where a customer is going to make a judgment about your business. And then obviously when they come in and they're at the counter and we take them in and we prepare um, our, we, we, we go over the car and we call them. These are all moments of truth. But here's what I would argue, and this is what I would share with service advisors or managers out there. The inbound phone call is the most important moment of truth because that's when they're making a decision about whether they're going to come in and do business with you. And so all these other moments that flow are, are obviously dependent and critically dependent on that first moment of truth, which is the phone ringing. So mm -hmm. when we talk about how seriously you should take that call, Rena's idea of the, the mirror and you know, you're going to be your best self when you're on the phone, that's really the truth because that's, yeah. that's going to define the relationship right from the start and going forward. I would tell everybody to remember that this is your first impression. And like Doug is saying, how important it is. This is going to 
this phone call helps make your sale easier. It helps make every other interaction that you have with this customer easier and better. And so remember, it's your first impression and make a really good one. Building on Rena's point, it should also been, it keeps your time down. When you know what you're supposed to say and you know the questions that you, you can ask, it keeps the call under three minutes most <laughs> of the time. Mm-hmm. So I got my, this quote I love by Sally Hogshead, and she has how to fascinate. The quote that I love is, when a business is fascinating, it no longer has to compete on price. So when you pick up the phone and your idea is to fascinate the customer, then price, you don't have to compete on. So how do I bring the most value based on who I am that I'm so fascinating, I bring so much value that they can't help from come in by the magnetism, right? So that's what we look at. If we look at these people, and I think about Doug Grills, and I think about Bear Grills. Are you related, man? I mean, not. Yeah. <laughs> but there's I a lot of people. Of the stuff that guy does. There's a lot of people that do what Bear Grills does. But man, he's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I just watch mm-hmm. the dude. And mm-hmm. if you're just excited about life, they want to be around you. And I listen to the monotone voice. And I know I can be a little bit monotone, right, Carm? I mean. But I, I find a way. You know, I could listen to you all day long. Like he said in episode 220, he says, I'm, I'm just a Southern boy with a lower L.A. accent. And, the, and that means lower Alabama, right? That's it. Lower Alabama. See, I'm learning. I'm learning. Here's my, my takeaway for a swing thought. And it's only because I've listened to you today because I've never done the job of service advisor. But I'm also a student. And I probably could be a good one. And here was my thought. Snap, right, Barry? You, you, you snap, you get into focus, and, and before you pick up that phone, you think, I will solve my customer's pain. Is there any value in that? Oh, yeah. I'm about to be Brad Pitt every time I'm on the phone. You know what I mean? He learns his lines. <laughs> and I like Brad Pitt because, you know, Brad's about a nine. You know what I mean? And so if I can become Brad Pitt, I, I'm, I'm about to be a nine, at least an eight and a half. Rena said earlier, it might be your biggest customer. And I think what she was really saying is I get to bring the most value because the more certificates of appreciation or dollars that they spend with me, the more value I get to bring. What a treat. Rena Renabaum, Doug Grills, thanks for bringing us this uh, idea, Doug. Thank you. Barry Barrett, episode 220 with Tom Ziegler and me. Oh, off the charts. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Bye now. See y'all later. Nice, nice to be on with you guys and gal. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 